Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 572 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Piller up in the Blue Mountains in the NHL Central Scouting Combine is underway in Buffalo. We'll touch on a few posts that the Senators made that makes me curious. We've talked about trading the pick. We've talked about making it. But could the Senators trade up? Ooh, and we continue our prospect profile rankings with 35, 34, and 33. We got one of the best names in the draft and another Guelph Storm player. Oh, all that and more. This is the Locked On Senator Podcast, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Thursday, June 2nd. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where the best way to help the show grow is to like the videos by clicking the thumbs up below, subscribing to the channel, and leaving a comment as well. Today's comment, I want to take you back 15 years. Game 3 of the 2007 Stanley Cup Final. The only victory in a Stanley Cup Final game in Ottawa. It happened to be the first playoff Stanley Cup final game in Ottawa in what almost a hundred years, Pilsy. I know this was when you were new to being a Senators fan. Do you have any memories from that night? I can't remember what I did last week, Ross. Let alone fifteen years ago. So uh, I'll, I'll basically pass this one off to you as you're wearing the anniversary T-shirt. Well, this is the champions of the Eastern Conference here, 2007 locker room edition. Had to pull Look at this that one out. Had to pull this one out from under, but I did find this, which is pretty cool, because I was lucky enough to be in the building for that game. Wow. Game three, unbelievable. They were down one nothing. They were down 2-1. They were down 3-2, and they were already down 2 nothing in the series as well. So it was a must-win game, and who knew that two goals would be off the stick of Anton Volchenkov. One was tipped in front, <laughs> but like Chris Neal scored the first goal for the Senators in that game. Dean McCammon scored off of Chris Pronger, before Pronger's elbow went off of Dean McCammon's head later in the game. There's actually a video of the entire game on YouTube. I skimmed through it this morning. Super cool. Like the arena, you're not going to see in a more electric building. that sends need another night like that. But I found this, Body Check Magazine from that night. Nice. The, uh, the program. So I thought that was pretty cool. Check this out. At the last, they have this photo finish. How cool is this? Uh, this was from that year, but it was against Buffalo Game 3. Daniel Alfredson going out for the three stars there. I don't know how well you can see that there on YouTube. Absolute legend. If you want to hear more from Daniel Alfredson, he had a great piece with uh, Ian Mendez this morning where this guy never dodges questions. I appreciate that about Mr. Alfie himself. So he's thinking, he said, if he's going to get working in the NHL again, it would be with the Ottawa Senators. He's got four young kids at home. So don't expect him to take the Martin St. Louis route. But Pilsy, I got to tell you, I got some vibes from that article that he's leaning more towards being a coach rather than a president of hockey ops or any front office role, which I think we kind of implied or expected him to go for. 
Yeah, it, that was a shift for sure. I think everyone was looking at his experience in the front office with the Sens before. Short experience, I'll uh, I'll note. Uh, but I really think uh, he's a guy that thinks the game so well and he knows how to... I mean, he was a captain for forever in Ottawa. So he knows how to lead players and he knows what goes on in a locker room. And he said it. He really liked hearing Martin St. Louis saying look, you can't just have players playing exactly to a system. You have to let them free flow and make decisions on their own. And that's what Alfie supports. So I think I think it would be great to see Alfie in an assistant coach role to start things off, just because I think he would be the right player to, or the right coach, I should say, to have players go to him after a bad game. And he could be like, look, you know, approach it like this, like this. He's not going to be yelling and screaming in guys' faces or anything like that. So I think that would be a great place to start. But he didn't even scream or yell when he was a player, really. He was a lead-by-example type guy. But if he wants to be a head coach, I would have no problem with it. Only thing, and uh, our boy at Kadri Sends posted and saying, like, the only problem here is coaches, all of them, I don't care how good they are, they all have a shelf life. Yep. And it would ultimately end with a firing or him leaving to go elsewhere. But that's or, why I think assistant coach would be good because then he wouldn't fully be in the spotlight. He'd be there and he would still be a part of the culture without being like, okay, they lost 10 games, cut him. Right, right. I, I just know. think for longevity, put him in like the Joe Sackick role, you know, the yeah. Brendan Shanahan yeah. role even, a, a president of the team. Like you want him to be a figurehead. You want him to be able to be involved in the community, I think as well. And not saying the coaches aren't, but obviously they have so much to deal with day-to-day with video and getting prepared for what they're seeing on the ice. I think that Alfie in more of a political role. I know he said that people were asking him all the time. I no think he could, he could honestly become mayor. Like he would get he the popular vote. He doesn't want to though. Yeah. No, but he could get the popular vote. Yeah. And he's just a legend to have around the room. You know, he was really impressed with Brady Kachuk's maturity. Just go read the article for me and Mendez. It was fantastic. And only Mendez can have, Quotes Peter for, and Alfie, man. yeah, in the same week. S- save some for the rest of us, Ian. Geez, honestly, legend. That's awesome. But yeah, getting back, you know, 15 years ago today, and it's so funny to see how far TVs have come. Like th- that was apparently HD, but geez, <laughs> like it, it's tough, tough sledding. But uh, still worth the view. Like you know, just seeing guys like Mike Fisher in their prime running around and. I forgot how much I hated the line of Sammy Pulse and Travis Moen and Rob Niedermeyer. Like they just, they blanketed the pizza line that, uh, that fateful Stanley cup final, but still cool. Ottawa got the five, three victory in game three. Ray Emery was unbelievable in goal. He had this one save Pilsy. It was a breakaway. I forget who had it. Might've been Timu Solani and he makes the save and all of his momentum is taking him the wrong way. And the puck jumped up up top and Emery like dove back and with his paddle whacked it out from from midair so you know what stick taps to Ray Emery rest in peace and that whole senator squad like just some some beauties up and down including friend of the show Christoph Schubert who got an assist in that game Pilsy yes you absolutely love to see it um we got a lot of great questions here on our Twitter at Send Central. We answered some of them yesterday. Pilsy, we'll get to the rest of them tomorrow because we've got three really interesting prospects to get to. And we thought we were looking at a goalie friendly series here between the Rangers and the Lightning. Instead, we had 18,000 plus at Madison Square Garden chanting, Igor's better. And Kreider August. scored on the first shot. Yeah. Well, what? How about Mika Zabanish had eyes in the back of his head on that feed? Whew. 
Yeah, we miss Mika. And then he scored later. So literally the only players with more points this postseason than Mika Zibanejad, Connor McDavid, and Leon Dreisaitl. Unbelievable. Yeah, and I, I knew the Rangers were going to win, but man, I thought Vasilevsky would make throw in a couple more saves. I'm sure it's been well documented what Vasilevsky's record is after a loss, so don't count the lightning out just yet. Were you as surprised as me when you saw the game was at Madison Square Garden? I just assumed the Tampa had home ice. I, I will agree. I, I was like, okay, it's going to start in Tampa, then it's going to go back to New York. But yeah, that that was a shock. But ta- Tampa doesn't care how they do in the regular season or about home ice advantage. They know how to get down to business when it matters. Yeah, I asked my uh, I asked my good buddy who lives in Manhattan, Wes. I was like, hey, you going to the game? Like game one, conference final, cheapest ticket, two eighty US. Ooh, yeah. So he's like, you know what? I put it in the piggy bank, and if they make the Stanley Cup final, that's like a true event. That is worth calling out that amount of money for. But as a goalie-friendly guy, I was like, man, CEOR against uh, Vasilevsky. I mean, that's pretty appointment viewing as well. But, hey, we got game two tonight between Edmonton and Colorado. Pilsy, are you going to have a parlay for us later in the episode? No, no parlay today. And With this slide, I need to take a step back and reevaluate my process here. Okay, maybe some yoga, maybe some some (laughs) mind exercises you'll be able yes. to fix it i think so i you're Thanks. in a mid you're in the dog days of the playoffs of the, of your parlay because you started out so hot an unsustainable start a 2007 2008 senator start of the season <laughs> you were coming out of the gate just absolutely flying yeah. and now you got to deal with the adversity that comes with falling behind a couple times i get it a lot of adversity it. yeah all it's right been tough Thanks. well because your account has been emptied we got to pump it back up. So why don't you say a quick word for one of our sponsors and then we'll get into our draft rankings. Yeah, I wish I could fuel up my account as well as I can fuel up my body with Built Bars. But since that's not the case, I'm looking at the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, guys. If if you've been listening to Locked On Center's podcast for what episode are we on, Ross? Like 573? Two. 572 episodes and you still haven't tried Built Bar. They've been with us since day one. What Stay are you doing? tuned for tomorrow for 73. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Get on the Built Bar train. I'm on it. Ross is on it. They are delicious and healthy. What a combo. Go to Built.com. Check out all their amazing flavors. All the bars and puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. Hell, Built Bar's even getting into the granola bar game. So whatever kind of bar you like, Built Bar's got it for you. You need to check out the mixed box if you haven't tried them because I think you're going to like all flavors. I know I've enjoyed most of them so far. So go to Built.com, get all your favorites. Raspberry, double chocolate, banana cream pie, churro built puffs. They've got brownie batter, everything. And you might be thinking these aren't healthy, but at Built, they focus on making the bars taste good and then figure out how to make it healthy later they've got protein infused marshmallow i didn't even think that was possible but it is at built bar so go to built.com use promo code lock 15 and get 15 percent off your next order one more time for the people in the nosebleeds use built 15 (laughs) locked 15 pills locked 15 locked 15 for 15 percent off your next order locked 15 right now for 15% off your next order at Built.com. 
All right, Pilsy, I'm a good teammate. Build your I got life. a little excited there and got off uh, got off the rails there. Thanks for uh, picking things back up. <laughs> and that's what we do, just snap it around back and forth. Uh, We've been doing it for over 570 episodes. We appreciate everyone for listening, tuning in. The numbers are staying consistent, and the Senators haven't played in over a month. We can't thank everyone enough for making us your first listen of the day and trusting us with your day-to-day coverage for the Ottawa Senators. There hasn't been a whole lot of news coming out of Sens camp. We mentioned that they are at the Combine, and the reason why I said could they trade up, well, they were, they've been posting photos, and we meant to give stick taps yesterday to the Senators' social media squad. One yes. of the first, they've always been behind in the social justice aspect. Maybe I'm saying that right, but social awareness may be better. Um, and they were the first team that I saw to change their profile pic to a pride photo. You know, they're showing in the Belleville sense yep. followed. Definitely a shift in what we've seen from years past. So stick taps to the Ottawa Senators for that. Love to see it. June Pride Month. Obviously hockey, we'd like to say is for everyone. There's certain things that show there's still a long way, like mm-hmm. uh, a racist guy getting a not only a second chance to play right away, Mitchell Miller, the guy who's supposed to be going to UND, we covered that in depth at the time, and he got named USHL Defenseman of the Year, Player of the Year, and you're just like, really? So, like, we're going to not – like, I'm all for second chances, but you're going to, like, award him and give him recognition this soon after? Anyways, that's neither here nor there, but the Senators' Twitter account did post some photos from the scouting combine, including one of Trent Mann with Uri Slavkovsky. And I know, I know, I know they're interviewing probably hundreds of kids, but the fit as a winger with top six potential, a guy who might be more pro ready than anybody else in the draft. The senators are looking to bolster the top six. We've seen players jump right in the NHL, like Brady Kachuk. Could there be a situation where New Jersey, who we know is open to trading the second overall pick, could that be kind of a hidden avenue here for Ottawa? Could they trade up to get their guy? It's definitely a hidden avenue, Ross. We've covered at length. Okay, use the pick to acquire a top six forward. Okay, we've went over that. Use the pick to acquire a top four defenseman. Okay, we've been over that. But using the pick to go and get an NHL-ready young winger to trade up, that's a whole nother ball game. And I, I don't know how I feel about it because what are you going to have to package to do that? But... Slavkovsky is a guy where you're looking at him being like, if you acquire that pick, draft him, he's very NHL ready. Some guys even have him as the number one prospect over Shane Wright. And then you're reloading your rebuild. He's going to grow with all these guys at the same time. You're going to get three years of him at an entry-level contract. I think it makes a lot of sense. So it's, it's something that I definitely think the Senators are looking at, and it's very interesting. But... How do you go about packaging a trade deal to do that? Like I, I five picks. Yeah, but we're not talking moving from forty to uh, <laughs> thirty-five, Ross. We're yeah. talking about getting to the second overall pick here. Yeah, that's massive. So it, I would have no clue where to even start with the pr- trade package here. It's this is going to be fantastic uh, drama leading up to the draft. Find someone that looks at you the way Trent Mann is looking at Uri Slavkowski. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the photo I pulled up there. They also put up a photo of Noah Warren, a defenseman for the Gatineau Olympique, six foot five, two hundred and thirty pound defenseman. Just didn't crack our top sixty four, which we should get back to right now. And we're getting back to it with coming in 
at number 35 on our NHL draft rankings from the Moose Jaw Warriors. It's Jagger Fergus. Jagger Fergus. What a name. You just put that name on a text to me, Ross, and I could tell you right away. That guy plays in the dub. That is a WHL type name. We always make uh, make jokes about it, but it's a stereotype for a reason. They got the craziest names over there, and Jagger Fergus is no different. Ross, I was surprised. I started typing uh, Jagger Fergus in uh, in EP, and I was like, okay, he's going to be the only guy that that shows up. There are a lot of Jaggers in the <laughs> hockey world. It's there it's a go. common name, so I thought that was pretty funny. But let's focus on Jagger Jagger Furcus here with the Moose Jaw Warriors. If you're watching on YouTube, Ross pulled up the graphic. He's a right winger sitting at five foot ten, 153 pounds. So small guy. That's that's uh, similar dimensions to a lot of the small defensemen we've been talking about here. But Puts up big points, Ross, in 66 games played, 36 goals, 44 assists, good for 80 points. And uh, yes, the big note here is he he's grown and he's got some more growing to do. Yeah, he certainly has. And when he was drafted, get this, when he was drafted into the WHL, he was five foot five and wait for it. Yeah. 125 pounds, Pilsy. Now, to be fair, the WHL drafts their players a year younger, so he's 14 years old at the time. But in the last three years, he's grown five inches and put on over 25 pounds. So scouts are like, okay, is he done growing? Because that is the only knock on him. This is an electrifying offensive talent, one of the best shots in the draft, one of the best guys at controlling the pace of play in the offensive zone. I was pretty upset that I missed out on seeing Moose Jaw and Winnipeg in the playoffs. It was such yeah. a quick series. I was going to go to game six or seven, but uh, Winnipeg was able to dominate them in five games just the way it went. I was able to get to the East Final. We'll get to a couple players from that coming up. But Jager Furcus, man, this guy, he's got the most goals by a draft eligible in the WHL. Yes, one more than Matthew Savoy. 36 goals, Pills. This guy puts the puck in the back of the net, does it in a number of ways, but most impressive to me, is his shot. And we're in that that range of the draft. Eh? We had two guys on yesterday in terms uh, – it was Adam Ingram and, and uh, pardon me, I'm forgetting the other guy. Oh, Gleb Trikasov, two guys with elite shots. Well, I put him pretty well in the same category there. I've got Jagger Furcus ahead of Trikasov for sure with his shot. Uh, maybe, okay. maybe closer to Ingram. But the thing with Furcus Ross, is it's all about the release. That's yeah. where it happens. And – 80 points in the season. We're really starting to see some dominance in uh, prospects that we're getting to now. He was named player of the game in the CHL top prospects game. And yeah, you you mentioned it. Uh, they played the Winnipeg Ice in the playoffs. They lost in five games and happened quick. But don't put that one on uh, Jagger. Yeah, it is, guys. Yeah, he had six points in the last three games. And in those three games had 15 shots. So like he was he was one of the Warriors really battling in that one. Hey, I like that. Nice little pun there. Uh, We'll get to his rankings, then I'll pick up on that point. So Craig Button, and this kind of surprised me because Button, I think, goes more the prototypical NHL scouts where it's like, okay, size, speed, that sort of thing. And his speed isn't an issue at all. Not saying that, but Craig Button having him 15th really kind of jumped out of the page to me especially. And Bob McKenzie, we got to remember, he's semi-retired. He he put these rankings out at Christmas. So his are the oldest (laughs) Of all of them, but it's the Bob father. We needed to get him in the mix. He had him as an honorable mention. Scott Wheeler at 53. 
Corey Prodman at 30, Tony Ferrari at 27, and Elite Prospects had him at 22. Mitch Brown really going to battle for him, a guy who covers the WHL day in and day out. So I think that that tells you what you need to know about the sphere of scouts, what they think of him. And I think what you need to know is that his size wasn't an issue in the playoffs. When things tighten up, when the hitting gets stronger, he elevated his game. And I think that that is a big reason why his stock is just soaring. Going into this season, he was labeled as a C-level prospect by NHL Central Scouting. That's like third, fourth round. And now he is a bona fide top 40 pick in this draft. I think a team's going to take him in the first round. I wouldn't be surprised when you have a shot like that and the offensive capabilities that he has. Ross, he scored a lacrosse goal this season. And yeah. As a goalie, I'm not a fan of the lacrosse goal. Uh, I think it, you, it's a it's a high sticking play. Like every single time, you smack the goalie in the face. Like every time, but that's neither here nor there. We can get into it in a whole another discussion. It looks sweet though. I'm not going to deny that. And to be able to pull that off, you got to have sick mitts, which uh, Furcus definitely has. And you mentioned it. EP's very high on him. Go check out Cam Robinson's uh, article. He does a whole film room discussion, and he breaks down how Furcus uses his body to get maximum power with his release. Like, it's really cool yep. to see, like, okay, here's where he shifts his hands. Here's where his hips open up, all that kind of stuff. So definitely recommend checking that out. And as EP does, they dissect his skating, and he needs to work on his stride, which I, you talked about it, growing five inches that quickly, it's going to mess up your stride. It's going to take time to kind of uh, refocus how you're gonna how you're going to work that. He can be really deceptive with his stick skills, like we talked about the sick mitts. And that's where he doesn't need to rely on being a good skater for a small guy because he's so shifty with his dekes that he's like, I don't I don't need to flash around you or use agility to get around you. I'll just go right through you if I yeah. want. And that's the impressive part about uh, Furcus for me is he's, he's able to overcome being a smaller guy, but he does it in... A different way than most small guys do like he he's not that elusive guy that you just can't seem to hit or check he'll just go right through you and if you make contact with them he's gonna make you look silly because you're probably gonna guess the wrong way and then you're gonna break your ankles and he's gonna go around for a breakaway so Furcus is like the the offensive capabilities is very very impressive intriguing I'll say I'll say yes. this is a guy with a very low floor but extremely high ceiling if he can, he's either going to be an AHL all-star or an NHL all-star, in my opinion. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to see him on like a third or fourth line in the NHL, but right. if you can get him in the right position and he's able to fix that stride a little bit as he gets comfortable with this added weight, which we hope continues to grow because he's not playing top six forward. I don't think at the NHL level at 150 pounds. Is there a forward that's 150 pounds right now in the NHL? I, I'd struggle to find one. I was trying to – Nathan Gerby's got to be around there, but he's kind of in, in and out of uh, NHL yeah. rosters here. That's the only guy I can think well, of. AHL all-star right there. Yeah, Nathan there you go. Gerby. Yeah, so, honestly. Um, but there is potential here. Like, he is a boomer bust, in my opinion. However, the boom would make a GM and coach extremely happy because the compete is definitely there for for Ferkus every single shift. Uh, we'll pull up his elite prospects page as well. And like just the way that he's able to elevate when the games matter most, I think that that's something that's going to really attract NHL scouts to pick him maybe earlier than, uh, than you would for some players with red flags as though he does have a few. 
Yeah, there's definitely a couple red flags. Some of those other ones uh, that I kind of found is sometimes he tries to do too much and turns the puck over rather than making a simple play. That's where he's trying to out-deke a guy twice when you only have to out-deke him once. You don't need to do the dipsy-doodle back again when you've already got past him, which sometimes he ends up doing. So he needs to make simpler plays at times, but hey... It's it's not that big of a fault if you see a guy that's trying to do too much rather than a guy like Gleb Trikizov that we talked about yesterday who sometimes is just standing still hanging right. out, right? So I'll take I'll take that over uh, that any day. And I think like you said, he the offensive talents are there and I really see him as being a big piece of a top power play, you know, one day. Just just so we're clear here, if you're watching on YouTube, that photo is not of this year where he looks yeah, like Yeah, he like looks tiny there. Yeah. yeah, April 29th, 2004, birthdays in Alberta, boy. They've got him at 5'10 here on uh, on Elite Prospects as well, for them to be on par with NHL Central Scouting. But you were able to see, right, he, he got to play like sick, man, going back to midget last year when the WHL was down 11 points in four mm-hmm. games. How yeah. are you? But got his little taste of WHL action, played all 23 games in the bubble. And then this year, it was just explosive for him. Night in and night out, best player on the Moose Jaw Warriors. And when we go and look at this team, they've got another draft eligible who's coming up here in Denton Matejchuk, uh, who we'll get to. But they've got some drafted guys on the, in the mix there, and he led the team in scoring. Two less games than Ryder Korzak, who was a part of the 2021 draft. I believe we did profile him last year as well, but... Man, Fergus is a guy whose stock continues to soar. However, for the Ottawa Senators and knowing the way they draft, I'm just going to stick with three stars for him. Again, I would be happy if they take him. I think the offensive upside warrants a selection if he's available. Again, we're in the range of their first, second round pick here. So that's where I'm having it. Like, okay, if if you see enough out of him that you want to take him, I think that he could fit down the road. But again, not a guy I'm banging on the table for either. Yeah, and that's fair. And, and I think um, he's someone that I feel like you can take a home run swing on his offense, though, Ross. Like, sure. I really think his release is good enough right now. Excuse me, that he could beat NHL goalies right now. Like, sure. that's how good his release is. So, yeah. when you have a defining ability like that, you can bank on that and you hope that all the other things come together. So, I think I'm a little higher on him than you are. I'm giving him four stars here just because. I think the Senators, they never, it seems like they never bank on a guy with a, uh, like an incredible shot or where that's his one thing. So I wouldn't mind getting one guy like that in the system. So for me, I got Jagger Furcus at four stars. All right, getting back to our draft rankings. We are coming in at number 34. We're going back to the U.S. National Team Development Program. We know the Sens love it. It's a right shot defenseman. Another great name. Seamus Casey. What do you think of the kid? Ah, Seamus. Seamus Casey. I can't stop uh, thinking about that without an Irish accent, Ross. Big St. Paddy's Day guy. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, that's my birthday. So great, great day to have a day on St. Patrick's (laughs) Day. Um, But back to Seamus here. He's not Irish. In fact, he's born in Miami, Florida, a hockey hotbed. Everyone knows that the hockey just thrives down there. But Seamus overcame that uh, kind of Florida attitude and he became a really great player with uh, USA under 18. He's got 48 games played. 
10 goals, 23 assists, good for three, 33 points. And his dimensions, he's a five foot nine defenseman at 162 pounds. And he's committed to, I don't know if you heard of it, but Michigan University, I've heard um, they do decent things. Yeah, I've heard they've been pumping out some good defensemen over yeah. the years too. Uh, and centerman, shout out Josh Norris. But with Casey, you're looking at an undersized defenseman against NHL Central Scouting has him at 5'9", 162 pounds. He's rated as high as 18th on Scott Wheeler's list and as low as 51st with Craig Button. In between, we've got Chris Peters at 36. We've got, oh, Tony Ferrari at 22. We've got Bob McKenzie at 44. And then Corey Pronman and Elite Prospects both have him at 48. Pilsy, what's the biggest strength of his game? I would say the biggest strength of his game is uh, his ability to break the puck out. And that is a massive, massive strength for a defenseman because it's similar. I've mentioned this uh, analogy before. It's like in basketball where you always want your point guard to start with the ball because they're the guys that have the vision. They're the guys that know how to set the play up. They're the guys that can make that good first pass to those offensive players. And that's what Seamus Casey can do. He's able to avoid pressure with his good skating and make a good first pass. And he's used a lot on the power play, but not so much highlighted because of his offensive abilities or his great shot or anything like that. He's used on the power play effectively because he's able to break the puck out and get into the zone. Like, how often do the Ottawa Senators have such an issue with, sure, once they're in the ozone, they can cycle the puck and get some good shots off, but they can't get in the offensive zone when those penalty killers stack the blue line. Seamus Casey is a guy that can help you solve that problem because having an effective power play, half the battle is just if you're if after the first faceoff, if they dump it and clear it out, you got to get back into that zone when there's four guys just standing there guarding the blue line. And that's what a guy like Seamus Casey comes in handy. You ready for a very ringing endorsement? Ooh, Scott oh, Wheeler says for his money, Casey is the best 2004 defensive prospect at the U.S. program this year. Wheeler goes on to say he loves the way he operates with his mobility, adjusting to pressure, effortless skater, weaving in and out of coverage, fabulous puck transporter through neutral ice, and a tactical player inside the offensive zone. Basically, he's undersized, but what he loses in in like stature he makes up for in skating and escapability. So I think that he's the type of guy who will be an NHL defenseman despite his undersized frame. Yeah, and I noticed those things too, Ross. Like I watched uh, EP again. They had a YouTube video where I think it was uh, David St. Louis. He uh, kind of goes through some of his plays and some of his shifts. And he does a good job of just avoiding pressure from uh, opponents when he's trying to break that puck out. And he can get around them. And then now, it sounds weird to say, but now you've got a five on four essentially because he's just bursted past that one guy who put too much pressure on him. And you can start a breakout with more space and uh, one open guy essentially. So I, I really think uh, the breakout is a big part for him, but he's great defensively too. Like yep. the hockey writers, they applauded his gap control. He's able to use his hockey IQ to replay and anticipate where to apply pressure. Like he's really good with the pinches. Like there's a couple shifts where he pinches in and I was like, ah, I don't know if I would make that pinch there, but Obviously, he's a Seamus Casey. He's a guy that has better hockey IQ than I do. And he's, he read the play that the puck's coming around the boards. And he's like, I can beat that forward to that puck and keep this offensive cycle going. So I, I really think Seamus Casey, his hockey IQ and his transition ability is what sets him apart from the rest. 
Corey Pronman mentions that defending, even though he does it well now, just based on his size. Again, this is just, you have to mention it's too bad because the NHL is getting smaller, but especially when we're talking about defensemen, it will be the question at the next level. But his skating is so good, I don't think it's going to be a problem. He, um, in this is, doesn't call him truly dynamic with the puck. So they're wondering, like, how much will he be an Eric Branstrom type thing where you're like, you see the offensive skills. It's just not all packaged in a dynamic way that Quinn Hughes or one of these other, like, Tory Krug, those undersized defensemen can play. But I like him. I like him enough to say three and a half stars. He's a right shot defenseman born on January 8th. And if we pull up, like, you mentioned that he's born in, um, in Miami. Well, not only that. He's one of the the rare players who is actually like trained down in Florida as well. Cause like oh. we've seen it before, like with Jacob Trickren, who was born in Florida, but he was uh, raised playing hockey in, in Ottawa area. And, and then you've got um, last year, Sasha passed a job. His parents were in the circus in, uh, in Sarasota in Florida, <laughs> nice. next, near where my parents neck of the woods is. But when we pull up Seamus Casey's um, thing here, like, he was playing Florida Alliance hockey under 16s. Must be nice 29 points in 15 games there. He played at the World under 18s at six points in six games. That U.S. team was a wagon, although losing to Sweden in the finals. Offensively gifted, a very good um, plus player when he's out on the ice. I, I love what he brings. Again, I just don't think he's the Senators type of defenseman. So I'll say three stars or three and a half stars with Casey. Yeah, I'm a little lower on him. I got him at three stars. It, it may sound funny because most of my comments were uh, positive and uh, the breakout is, is so important in today's game. But yeah, there's just there's not that one thing where I'm like, oh man, you you missed on Seamus Casey. You missed this. Like you missed this skill. Right, like, right. He just, he just doesn't have it. And I'm sure if uh, more analytically driven uh, scouts and analysis would show him in a, in a better light, but for me, I just got him at three stars, but I, I wouldn't be upset if the Sens went this route. And I think whoever's going to draft him, they're going to get a nice defenseman. All right. Coming in at number 33 with an average ranking of 37.66. Pilsy from your Guelph Storm. We're going with centerman Danny Jilkin. Danny Jilkin from the Guelph Storm, and this is this is a guy who was born in Moscow, but he he spends all his time in Canada. Pretty much born, uh, I was going to say, raised. pretty much born and raised, <laughs> raised in Canada. He represents Canada at international events, and uh, he was a massive part of the Guelph Storm team. We already mentioned uh, Sasha Sasha Pasajov. Every Ross, I, I'm still upset that the Sens didn't take him, but we won't get too deep into that because any Guelph Storm player we mentioned his name pops up and the Anaheim Ducks got themselves a great prospect. Back, back to Danny here, six foot one, 189 pounds. So already has a nice frame of a centerman that you want with the Guelph storm. He had 66 games played 23 goals, 32 assists. Good for 55 points. He was only behind Sasha in points for the Guelph storm. And there's a lot to like about this kid. He's, um, He's one of the rare cases, Ross, this really surprised me, of an OHL prospect that had a full OHL season under his belt before this year. In 60 games of his rookie season, he only had 15 points, so he definitely has come a long way from that. And what I like about him is he's a pass-and-shoot threat with size. Like, some of his highlights, Ross, with the Storm are so nasty. He had one of the greatest assists I've ever seen. It was a two-on-one 
and he has the puck and the defenseman lies down on the ice to break the pass and he's already running out of real estate. He did a uh, through the legs sauce pass over the defenseman right on the tape for a goal. Like to be able to pull that off as a pass is incredible. So like, and then just take a look at some of his shots and some of the deeks he pulls off when he's in, in on a breakaway. Like, he is just so dynamic. You talk about having dynamic skills. Uh, Danny Zilkin definitely has those. When the puck's on his stick. We'll get yes. to some other things later on. The ranks go as followed. Craig Button has him at 28. Bob McKenzie has him at 31. Chris Peters at 32. Pronman at 34. Elite Prospects at 43. And Scott Wheeler at 58. But all in all, this is one of the more tight rankings in terms of the top end to the bottom end. Yeah, the range going from 28 to 58 even though and then you take out 58 let's do it olympic style take out the best and the worst you're looking at a range of 31 to 43 so it's pretty clear where Jilkin is is seen to go but the strengths they come out flying 55 points including 23 goals in 66 games this year and despite missing last season as you mentioned he snuck his way into ohl action in 2019-2020 so I think that gave him a bit of a leg up here. He, to me, is more of a safe projection at the NHL level, although we'll, we'll get to it. The skating is, again, the problem with Shilkin. Yeah, and and with someone with his size, uh, he's not going to rely on his skating like uh, maybe a smaller centerman would. But I really see him as a guy that will stay in the middle of the ice, Ross, because he also had uh, success in the face-off dot. The hockey writers, they they mentioned that he was 12th in face-off wins in the OHL for those that had over 100 face-offs. So he's definitely able to do that. He was on a line with Sasha, Sasha Pasajov, and he started off the season so hot, 15 points in his first 16 games. Wow. And I agree with you. I feel like he's a safer pick just because he has that pass-shoot threat. I don't think his skating is is that bad. I've seen him split the D and uh, create chances for himself. It's not a strength for sure, but I wouldn't put red flags all over it. I'm sure EP got the protractor out and figured out <laughs> what, what they angles he was wrong. A complete mess. Hey, they, they know a lot better than I do about the skating. I'll tell you that. So I'll, I'll take the word for it. But it didn't seem that bad to me. And it did not slow down his production at all. I think he's a safer pick with the ability to burst through if he can figure that skating out. Yeah, because Corey Pronman fights back. He says his skating is solid, not explosive, yeah, but okay. good enough. His game can lack pace, though, which is, is the main issue. Competes well enough off the puck but not his strength, and he can drift a bit to the perimeter as well. But he also says he sees him as a potential bottom six centerman who can have the toolkit of playing up into a middle six role. So again, pretty safe projection because if he ends up being a fourth liner, at least he's an NHLer, which, I mean, when you're looking at the second round, the the hitting percentage probably isn't even 50-50. It's got to be less than that, but with Jelkin, we're pulling up here his Elite Prospects page. December 19th, so he's one of the 2003 birthdays in this draft class. He's a big size. We mentioned he represented Canada internationally, still does, although being born in Moscow. Grew up playing for the Burlington Minor Hockey Association with the Toronto Marlies in the GTHL. Had a pretty solid uh, minor hockey career. Had 15 points in his rookie season in the OHL, and Not a whole lot going at the World Under-18s last year, but again, playing in a more defensive-minded role. Only had the four playoff games as Guelph was upset in the first round, but you look at that with two points there as well. The numbers, you know, they're they're solid at the OHL level for me, but 
again, not a guy I'm super, super excited about. I'll give him three stars. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little higher on him. I'll admit the Guelph Storm bias uh, plays a part in there, but also like his ability to play with great players. He played with Shane Wright in the top prospects game, Ross, and Shane Wright's quote what, after the game was, he thinks the game at such a high level and such a fun guy to play with. So put yeah. him with talented guys. Like I just imagine him, obviously Tim Stutzel and Drake Batherson are the combo here, but maybe on a power play, you get him playing with, with uh, Batherson or maybe a Kevin Fiala type player, just a random name I threw in there. Uh, <laughs> but like, I just see him as being able to help those guys create space yeah. because he's a pass shoot threat himself. And I think you mentioned maybe he ends up being a fourth line guy. I I would have him probably more as a third line guy. But the thing is, like, let's say one of those top two centermen get injured. I would have no issue throwing him up there in the top uh, in a top six role for five, ten games. And he could probably click with those offensive minded players. So I got uh, I got Jilkin at three and a half stars here just because I think he's a safer pick with the ability to burst through a ceiling. So I wouldn't mind the Sens taking a chance on him. I feel like you just described to me Chris Tierney. Like, yeah, but I I think he's so much more creative and like Chris Tierney, like he's not a guy that's going to wow you with his passes. He just is able to find guys through seams and he's not going to wow you with his. I mean, I can't believe I almost said that Chris Tierney scores more goals off his feet and and the back of his uh, head than he he does (laughs) with his stick. So I think that would be kind of an unfair comparison, but I, I see where you're going there. Yeah. All right. Well, he comes in at number where are we at? 35? 33. 33. We are flying through oh, these. Yeah. We've done 31 of these profiles. And Danny Jelkin coming in at number 33. All right, Pilsy. We're going to get back to the countdown tomorrow. We'll also get into some listener questions on a Friday show. A feel-good Friday here on Locked On Senders. Be a friend. Tell a friend that the draft profiles are coming fast and furious. And if you missed any and you just want to learn about that singular player, we've got the playlist going on YouTube where we'll keep all of our draft coverage. So go check that out in the lead up to the draft. Whenever you hear a name and you're like, oh, I want to learn more about that guy. We've got you covered here on Locked On Center. So yeah, pretty much a mailbag type episode tomorrow with, again, the final day that we're doing three. Or no, we're moving on to two. We're going down to two because we've reached number 32. Shout out to the Kraken being the 32nd team. So we are officially, as of tomorrow, first round territory, Pills. And Ross, just one one thing for me before we wrap up here for all our listeners in Ontario. It is voting day. Make sure you get out there and vote. All right. For today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day.